Hello and welcome back to the Unreported World podcast for 2013. I'm Krishnan Gurumurthy. For the first in this new series, I travelled to Afghanistan, where improving women's rights was supposed to be one of the great legacies of Britain's involvement in the country. I gained rare access to the secret shelters for women hiding from violent husbands or families who've tried to kill them for refusing to take part in arranged marriages. Afghanistan's hunted women reveals that as international forces start to pull out, powerful religious hardliners are trying to roll back new laws that protect women. In safe houses at secret locations across Kabul, women live in hiding. It's hard to call them lucky, and yet they are. They're the lucky few who've managed to escape some of the most horrific violence you can imagine. My uncle tried to force me to marry an older man in his 40s, but I refused. They led me into an orchard. My father checked that nobody was around. Then he took out a knife. Zargona is 22. She tells me about the moment she said no to the men in her family. He stabbed me three times in my back. I felt completely numb and fell to the ground. He stood over me and stabbed me twice in my sides and twice in my stomach. He stabbed me 16 times in total. I prayed to God. Then my father slashed my throat. They covered me with a sheet and put a stone at each corner. I was covered in blood. They left me to die. By speaking out, Zargona is again putting her life at risk. But she's determined to show what's still going on across Afghanistan in the name of family honour. They said I had dishonoured them. I am a woman with dignity, self-respect and honour. <laughs> I never wish for another Afghan woman to go through this. It was horrific. They ruined my life. I wish I had died that day. If only God had let me die. But even here, safety is fragile. Leaving a marriage, however violent, is taboo in Afghanistan. Maria Krami, who runs one of the shelters, has to fend off constant threats from relatives. She's on the phone to the police. He called, threatening to kill me. He said, I'll come tonight to kill you. Just a few minutes before, I got a call from one of the women's husbands and he was threatening me. He was abusing me and using very bad words. He said, I will kill you tonight and come to your home and something like that. This is common. 
On a daily basis, we receive such a threat. The police intervene if the women are in immediate danger, but it's only in recent years that they've started seeing these women as victims, not criminals. We have 22 women. We have 22 women and seven children. In Afghanistan, the majority of women are illiterate, but here they're guaranteed an education. We don't call it. A we library. don't call it a library. It's just for women and girls to keep them busy. To come and learn and read. The shelters were only set up in the last 10 years. Traditionally, women fleeing violent husbands have been falsely accused of adultery and jailed. Even now, many still are. It's very difficult for us to be here without slightly affecting what it is we get to see. The women wouldn't necessarily all be wearing headscarves uh, around their hair if I wasn't here as a visitor. But they're very keen for us to be here and for us to see how they live. This is the first time a television crew has been in this building and they feel under threat. This is a country in which abused women face agonizing choices. Mina tells me what happened when her in-laws decided she wasn't good enough for their son. My husband tried to kill me, so I called the police. He had tried to suffocate me. Then my brother-in-law threatened to kill me, so the police brought me here. But despite this, Mina doesn't want a divorce. If your husband has tried to kill you, why don't you want to divorce him? I have a child. If I divorce, after seven years they will take my baby away. Mina knows that Afghan courts almost always send children back to their fathers, leaving most mothers no escape. What's incredibly striking when you hear these stories is not just the brutality and the violence, but the fact that these women really are trapped because they still want to go back to their families, they still want to go back to their fathers, they don't want to see their families imprisoned. And it really shows that they have absolutely no choice about what to do even after they have been brutally abused. The shelters have only become legal in Afghanistan because of a new law to tackle violence against women. But religious conservatives are trying to overturn that law and close the shelters down. One of the key hardline MPs in the Afghan parliament who spearheaded the opposition to the anti-violence against women laws is Kazi Hanafi. And uh, he's invited us to his home to talk about morality. Every day at his Kabul home, people queue for his advice. Kazi Hanafi made his name as a Mujahideen fighter against the Russians and then as a judge under Islamic law. Stay and eat. Later that evening, Hanafi shares his views about domestic violence. A husband should never torture or kill his wife, but he does have the right to discipline her. Why do you feel the shelters are against Islam? They are run by foreigners and the guards are all young men. A woman must only have one husband. 
Otherwise, we will suffer the scourge of AIDS, which is destroying the West. In every corner of the shelters, there are morally corrupt people. All the bad people who want to sin end up in those places. In Islam, we don't have shelters. They are considered places of ill repute. Arranged marriage is the norm in Afghanistan, but it's estimated one in five girls are forced into marriage by the age of 15. In a secret garden somewhere in Kabul plays the poster girl of violence against women here. Sahar Gul is the focus of an international campaign for women's rights, but she's only a child. Just 15 years old now, at 12 she was sold into marriage and a life of domestic slavery and sexual abuse. When she was rescued last year, Sahar Gul was barely alive. Her fingernails had been removed. Her flesh had been pulled with pliers and her hair torn out. Today, the physical scars have healed, but the memories still haunt her. I was dazed and almost unconscious. I remember arriving at the hospital in Kabul. When I woke up and saw a nurse caring for me, that was the first time I felt safe and happy. For the girls she lives with at the shelter, all victims of domestic violence themselves, Sahagul's case sums up the injustice they face. Her husband went on the run, but her in-laws were caught and in the full glare of international publicity, were jailed for 10 years for torture. But then, a few weeks ago, they were suddenly freed, having served just 18 months. What do you think of Afghan justice? Even 20 years would not be enough for the torture they committed. A year and a half is a joke. Despite the pain the girls suffered in the past, they are getting on with their new lives. How important are the shelters? The shelter took care of me medically. I was weak, but as I grow up, I am getting stronger. There are some girls whose families won't help them because it is the families who are committing the violence, so the girls can't go home. The shelters are the only lifeline for girls and the only people helping us. If I had gone back to my family, I wouldn't be alive today. She clearly derives a huge amount of support from her friends, who are amazingly open about their own terrible stories, which are just as awful as hers, just as traumatic, sometimes more. Uh, and it's very interesting watching the way they support each other and pick up off each other and talk about each other's stories. Sahar Gul's case was so horrific that it attracted international attention and the help of a high-profile American lawyer. Kim Motley is working to get the case back into court 
and Sahagul's abusers back behind bars. She was sold into marriage. Um, virtually, she was enslaved to this family. She was forced to cook. She was forced to clean. Um, she was forced to, they wanted her to have a baby, but she was, had not gone through puberty yet. And so because of this, the family decided to punish her. They chained her like a dog. They treated her like worse than an animal. How confident are you of winning? I have my reservations in terms of what's going to happen with this case. But I do know that I'm going to do everything that I can in my power as a professional, as a person, to make sure that Sahar Gul gets the justice that she's entitled to. Kim's won some well-known cases here in the past and prepares her arguments based on civil and Islamic law. She's determined to get Sahar Gul's abusers rearrested, even though the Afghan courts have so far made that impossible. When the appeal court freed these people, did Sahar Gul even know that that process was going on? The court had a hearing in secret, and the only people that we believe that were invited were the defendants as well as their attorneys. Part of the rationale that the court used to exonerate them, essentially, is that there wasn't any evidence presented. And anyone that would present the evidence didn't know about the hearing and wasn't invited to the hearing. To get Sahar Gul's in-laws rearrested, Kim has to ask a lot of her. You know, it's very difficult because she's a kid, um, and also she's been through a lot of traumatic events. At the end of the day, it's up to her to decide whether or not she wants to go forward with stuff or not. The and teenager will have to face her abusers in court again, and Kim knows there's a chance she'll want to walk away. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. How are you doing? I wanted to come here to bring you the letter of appeal to the court. Every the details of the appeal to get Sahagul's torturers rearrested are daunting. I'm scared that if I go outside, they will kidnap me again and take me back to that horrible place. Please let her know that we also took out her brother in terms of asking that he be in trouble at her request. She agrees to go ahead with the case. I want you to sign my copy, too, if you don't mind. So that, all right, same places. How do you see your future? I trust Kim and know that she will fight the case for me. My dream is to help others in the same way that Kim is helping me. Good seeing you. Thank you. I'm happy that she's hopeful and that she's not depressed um, too much about it. And I'm happy that she's thumbprint and she really wants to participate in making sure that um, they're brought to justice, which I'm very happy about. As Western forces plan their exit from Afghanistan, human rights campaigners are concerned about progress being slammed into reverse. Shinkai Karakil is a prominent MP, rallying support in the fight to keep violence against women illegal. Are women's rights under attack again? Generally, the case of Sahar Gul should be also a good lesson. Generally, the case of Sahar Gul should also be a good lesson. Because if you don't expose these kinds of cases, if you don't show your reaction, if you don't show that you're aware and watching them, I think they will do worse things than the case of Sahar Gul.
Shinkai takes me to another secret shelter. She says limited space means most abused women are still trapped at home. What happens to all the other women? That's why women are suffering a lot. That's why we have honour killings. If something happens wrong with a woman, if a woman refuses to marry somebody, if a woman runs away from home, the system is that they have the right to kill the woman. Do you think most men in Afghanistan understand that that is basically unfair? If somebody's beating his wife, it's normal. If somebody is beating his wife, it's normal. Even in some places in Afghanistan, it's a pride for a man if he's beating his wife regularly. At the shelter, Shinkai wants to introduce me to a friend with an astonishing story. A former MP who campaigned with her for the law protecting women has ended up here herself. Nausea Afghana has been living in hiding for two years, seeking refuge from her own violent husband. This is Nausea. Ex-colleague, former MP, Miss Nausea. She's like my sister, like my mum, my everything. She supports me. Shinkai hasn't seen her friend in over six months. It's an emotional moment, meeting again. Well, actually, it um, made me very much upset that... Well, actually, it made me very much upset that being an MP one day and representing others and fighting for the rights of others, but the day comes because there is no proper system to protect you, you could also be one of the victims inside the women's shelter. For the first time since fleeing her marriage, Nausea has returned to work, starting a new job at the Ministry of Communication. But her ex-husband has tracked her down. I've had a problem. He came for me. Did he come to the ministry? Yes, and then the situation got really bad. How did he find you? I have no idea. Why didn't you call the police? I asked him to leave, and the staff at the reception helped me. Why didn't you call me? How dare he do this? Because of this man, the life I had has come to an end. My political life is finished and I can never go back. Nausea says her husband became violent soon after they married three years ago. How does a member of parliament end up living in a shelter? I have some problem with my uh, husband. Uh, he always torture me. He always... Uh, I have some problems with my husband. He always tortured me. He always shouts, abusing like any torture. I know my rights in Islam, and especially my law I know. I'm a human first, and then I'm a woman. My husband, he's beat me, he's... Why did my husband beat me and abuse me? Why? For years, Shinkai campaigned in Parliament to get violence against women recognised as a criminal offence. It is now, but only by presidential decree, which can be overturned at any time. Men of Afghanistan never want to lose... The Men of Afghanistan never want to lose control over half the population which freely serves them. For Shinkai, Conservatives like Kazi Hanafi 
are a major threat to the progress made over the last 10 years. For us, he was just a very selfish, dark-minded person, which wants to push women's rights back. For us, he was just a very selfish, dark-minded person who wants to push women's rights back in the name of Islam. I have a big fear. There will be lots of resistance from people like Hanafi and other people like him. They will try to push us back. We'll face lots of problems and challenges. But one thing is for sure, I can tell you that women of Afghanistan, today's women, are not yesterday's women. Women will resist, women will struggle, women will fight, and the future will be bright. Before leaving Kabul, it's time for me to put the women's arguments to Kazi Hanafi. We disagree because they do not understand Islamic law. They have no understanding of Islamic matters. All disputes can be resolved within the family. But Kazi, it is the families of these women who are abusing them. The families are dangerous and violent. And you're saying they should go back to the family. That doesn't make sense. Torturing and abusing women is wrong, but perhaps some have committed immoral acts. Let me put to you what they say about you. They say you want to take this country back to the Dark Ages, that you are anti-women and that everything that you support is trying to take away their rights. I have won medals for my work and the laws I have passed are a gift to the nation. To those women who say I'm taking them back to the Dark Ages, I say there is no doubt that you are infidels and worse still, you are corrupting others. We will fight you like we fought the Russians. Despite the threats, the shelters are providing sanctuary for the women for now. Zargona is coming to terms with never going home again. She hopes an operation will repair the damage caused when her father slashed her throat. Mina's husband has asked her to agree to a divorce. She's still holding out in fear of losing her child. Nausea has had to quit her job after her ex-husband tracked her down. She's learning English and seeking asylum abroad. And Saha Gul still lives in hiding. Her torturers remain free. The Unreported World podcast accompanies the critically acclaimed Channel 4 television series. Visit channel4.com slash unreportedworld to discover new Unreported World shorts that explore the facts beneath the stories in the series. You can also get involved in the Unreported World conversation by joining us on Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Gurumurthy, goodbye.